When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Delta Loda, the officially unofficial podcast for The Expanse on Amazon Prime. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back to do a season six, episode three, and episode four combined feedback episode. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm fresh off my holiday vacation, feeling pretty good. Uh, rewatched the episode four again, so I've got that kind of fresh in mind. Uh, I'm ready to get on to talk about everybody's feedback, but. There's something we got to do before that, because as you know, if you are a desktop Amazon Prime uh, watcher, <laughs> there are some webisodes that you have exclusive access to through the Amazon X-Ray feature um, called One Ship, and there are two more episodes of that, Win or Lose and Nightwatch for us to talk about. Yeah, I really liked one. I think probably my clear favorite of the season, and mm. I really didn't like the other one. Uh, yeah, I which, feel you on that. Predict, make a prediction, Kreskin. Which uh, <laughs> which do you think? Which do you think I like the most? I know you you liked win or lose best because I liked win or lose best easily. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's it's the most fun. Like it's you know they're they're trying to do something serious with some of these and something fun with others, and it, it, win or lose is just clearly the best in my opinion so far and it's also like a great example of how you should use a webisode because like yeah. i can't imagine fitting this in any of the episodes with the tones that they've had like and not in it it felt like super fun and fan servicey but like why mm-hmm. the hell um but you know seeing bobby and amos fight yeah. is it's what something i've always wanted. I mean, like, and, and the shows knows it like the very yeah. first time Amos and Bobby meet, they exchange threats over him defacing the Martian flag. And he tries to flank her with a pipe wrench about as big as he is, uh-huh. uh, you know, when she starts making noise about taking over the ship. And like, you know, it's just, there's been these kind of jabs and like professional perspect. There's this great quote in the novels. Do you remember this one where like, Amos is talking about like Bobby's combat capabilities? And he says, you know, when it comes to scrapes, I'm like a talented amateur, mm, yeah. but I've seen what this woman can do in and out of her armor, and she's a professional. We are not playing the same game. So, yeah. like, Book Amos has a pretty clear-eyed, sober look of, like, what would happen if he went against this recon marine. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, with the show, you know, Amos is such a fucking badass. I think it's fun that they explored this. Yeah. Uh, there was that, that it, season, what was it, three with Anna uh, of Volovodov, uh, where they mm-hmm. were in the hallway, like kind of facing burr, burr, off burr, burr, about burr. maybe ready to shoot each other. So, yeah, yeah, because like, she had orders to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought the way they handled it is clever. It felt like one of the old like Godzilla versus King Kong movies where it's like, well, you can't have the one monster obviously kick the ass the other because it'll piss off the fans but you also can't like 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 having bobby clearly overpower and about to choke amos the fuck out yeah but amos like dirty fight like he tried to he opened the dirty fight and he won with the dirty fight <laughs> uh-huh and he won in quotation marks i i thought it was great i thought it was great yeah no it's a ton of fun uh i loved it the, the the second one night watch wait wait I, I still i still i want to gush a little bit more on win or lose oh okay i, I heard that i heard that west chatham uh, chatham got like a writing credit on this one i can't i oh, need yeah? to go back and and pay attention to credits but yeah i, I don't know if that's because they the, the 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 dialogue was improvised but i just thought it was like a great touch like this felt like it felt like two f- friends like 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 on in a blue collar situation busting each other's chops in like wildly inappropriate ways like they're taunting themselves with uh 
you know, attempted genocide and the destruction of one of the other's moons. Yeah, like it escalating ways too, right? Like just yeah. keeps asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got yeah. a scar from when I was in basic training. You know, that's that's right. real. Uh, right, yeah, right, right, right. All the way to like your moon blew up and shit. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like there's men, there's genuine menace. Like, you know, like you can call, you can say something about your friend's mom that might get you to them to swing on you and hurt you. Uh, There is a little bit like when, because I, me and Jack were watching it uh, the first time with each other and we were just like, whoa, you know, like, like they started off as like, wow, whoa, whoa, you know, (laughs) it it escalated, like you said. Uh, I just thought it's great. It's it's, it's a really well-written fun scene. Also, if you oh. if you are going to let actors uh, experiment with writing, you, you know, they, they are the skilled amateurs to uh, Daniel and Ty's seasoned professionals. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Th- the webisode is a good place to do that. Right. Just let them yeah, get a credit. Yeah. Let them do some things. That's that's cool. Also, Frankie Adams choking out Wes was hilarious. Like uh-huh. her. Shh, they're there, little man. <laughs> and the faces she was making. <laughs> Why she was like putting it on. The, uh, it's just, God, it's so funny. It's so yeah. funny. I loved it. That was a good one. Do you want to talk about the bad one or the, the nah. I, I don't know. I don't think it was bad. What? All right. Yes. Nightwatch. All right. So this is uh, Holden's flip the keys, the Clarissa. She wrecks his coffee machine. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> know. Maybe, to be fair, he's uh, done it too. So <laughs> that's true. He can't literally <laughs> cast stones in this glass state spaceship of his. Um, another notable off-screen death. Yeah, I didn't think about Jules that. Pierre Meow. Oh, yeah. he see struck from the grave by not striking from the grave. He, uh, he just he's died in prison of natural causes. I think. Uh, yeah, that's what they say. Medical underlying medical conditions. Which he's an old man. Come on, he's oldish. I don't know if he's yeah, uh, like this is the expanse UN you know, term like, for base uh, Earthling terms. I in 2300 yeah. or especially something. a wealthy I rich person yeah. I, I, I was because I, I that's what i was thinking because I, I i thought that clarissa and his her sister julie were like late 20s early 30s mid 30s at, at, at best mm-hmm. uh but i don't know maybe they're 50 and like the expanse like you know they just uh but but the other thing is i thought the people like the your your standard earth or your age was like 150 or something so like yeah i don't I buy don't know what kind of care you get in yeah. prison uh, you know, he might have gone downhill pretty fast. Well, I was going with a like, is this an Epstein situation where it's like he's died of a, <laughs> he's this is a this is a, a wealthy 75 year old midlife who dies from underlying medical conditions after he arguably architected this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can make a direct argument from Earth being obliterated back to you know, meow uh, as black ops project out in, in the, the outer planets. Like yeah, if not could. that, none of this. And I wonder if like, you know, earth is like the, the security system is all the apparatus is all a who, right? I wonder if like some guard is like, you know what? Fuck this guy in particular Kaplow, And who's going to say otherwise? Yeah. I don't know. The episode definitely doesn't put any of that into it. Um, that's mm. all just like, speculation so i, I don't know it's yeah. possible but well, well yes it is but i'm it's not like i'm not pulling out my ass like I, he is like a middle-aged man uh-huh. who's a very wealthy no, all, and had the best the of medical you, care until yeah, yeah. you okay, laid out okay. are true but they don't necessarily mean anything right like it's like damn jim i'm not some just jackass emailing into expanse of bald move.com no like, we'll I, get to those pretty soon <laughs> just yeah i put some i put i put some brain cells into this uh what did you think of the what? Because we both said that this is our not favorite. I actually don't actively don't like it. I think this is the one that's like it feels like. Whoa. Uh, what did you think of it? I don't know. I thought it was. Um, it's interesting, I guess, to see. And I say I guess because I don't think it's like super interesting. I'm not. This isn't the most compelling stuff the Expanse has ever done. But with all the stuff that Claire has been through, um, and then the journey she's been on to then be kind of brought low in this moment by the announcement of her father's death is, is, is big. I mean, it indicates like, you know, a a love that transcended that stuff Mm. and, and, and she's angry at it, right? She's like Mm -hmm. angry that she ever loved him angry. Like 
it, it's it's just so ingrained and they're trying to say something i guess about human nature but i i don't know how real it is i don't know how true it is i guess we'll find out when my parents die but hmm. uh i don't know how universal it is yeah you're it's interesting because um I think these are all great things to play with. Like, uh, I'm not mad that they made this attempt. I just felt like none of the parts all added up. Like if they had just done this scene with her eating and the mess and then hearing this and like running back to her quarters, bawling and composing herself and then doing this journal entry in the privacy of her room. I think this, I actually be like, you know what? That's a pretty interesting her sitting there. And it read to me because we it maybe this is fresh in my mind because we had just joked about, uh, you know, the accidental triggering of of uh, your the, of uh, her tongue apparatus. Oh, like she's mind. eating a peanut butter sandwich and she's ah! you know, it goes goes berserk mode. Uh, but like she's sitting there eating this shitty kibble, salting the fuck out of it. And like the way like they're rotating around her head and all you can see is her jaw. It looked to me like she was trying to suck a kibble kernel from between her teeth or something. And, accidentally and she just like accidentally yeah. triggered it. She comes and like I did she wonder. comes to. But that's the thing is like I just don't believe that Clarissa Mao peaches mm-hmm. does all these things activates her thing destroys the the Rasananti galley and then sits in the wreckage of it and composes this thing in the ship's common area like for all she I why isn't she concerned that Holden or Naomi or Amos is going to like hear this ruckus that she does and come crashing it like are these the deadest fucking sleepers in the solar system like <laughs> it just suppose. felt it felt weird to do it, like yeah, to be this performative you. in your anger after all of the work that you've obviously put in. Like, I don't know. I thought it it, it didn't feel right. And, and it felt like a something that a writer writes to an actor that they want to, like, give something the meaty to. And yeah. the, the act, violence, crazy, shitty action scene, which the Clarissa Mal action shit is always stuff they try to shoot. Her, and like, it's oh, it's fine when it's like cool. But she just fucking destroyed the kitchen. In a, in a fit of roided out peak and I, yeah. yeah, I just don't buy that. She sits there in this mess and composes this thing. I just don't. Um, okay. So I didn't like it. Uh, and, and I like Clarissa as a character. I like the actor who portrays her. I just, this didn't work for me. Oh, good. Not, not good. All right. Sure. Uh, all right, that's it for those. I don't think we need to dwell on the night watch too much more. Um, nah, we've got a lot of feedback to get to. Or I don't know if it's a lot. Cool. It's, a, it's a fair bit. I've gone through it and pared down some of it because a lot of it was pretty similar. A lot of it is talking about our um, uh, feelings and our thoughts that we had in the podcast about Holden's excuse for why he disarmed the torpedo that was going to kill Marco. Um, so I've kind of picked and chosen and I apologize if I've taken, uh, too much away from anybody here, but I tried to get to everybody with different sentiments and peel off the ones that were samey. So I read a lot of interesting discourse about this on our discord, uh, which I thought was interesting because I thought we did a pretty good job talking around it. Like, you know, not being like, fuck, like fuck Holden, but also you kind of get it, but also fuck Holden, you know, like is kind of where I ended up. But yeah, and I've rewatched it since. And I think I have a greater understanding of that being a selfish thing, but not like, but understandably selfish in, in a certain way. Um, it being less about Naomi and more about Holden in that moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, we can talk about that when we get there, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do some feedback. All right, Aaron, are you ready for feedback? Oh, I, I am. I'm fucking ready. All right. We're going to stop, start off with uh, Ray and and a, another person wrote in Kenrick about the the part with uh, LV here, so I kind of bunched them together. Uh, here we go. Happy New Year! Just a couple of quick things from Episode Three. Nico Sandrani, Sirius Station's administrator. Uh, their pronouns in the show are they them. I think this information was as the Expanse does with representation, not made a focal point, so it was easy to miss and sort of announced on Twitter. Uh, I didn't know that. How did I miss this? Was it in the uh, show? I mean, I, I th- well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, so this person is an androgynous looking person that I think raids a little bit more femme than mask. But uh, and 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 when I and Avasarala did identify them as they, but like, oh, did she? Okay. 
I felt like uh, to me, I've I've t- started taking to doing that more and more, just referring to people in general as yeah, they, yeah. just just you know because and I feel like especially if you don't uh, know how that's they almost they want to be identified. Exactly. Um, the 23rd, 24th century citizen would probably kind of default to that because if anything, they're even more or I should say less hung up on gender and that, that kind of identity. Mm-hmm. So I think it was great because like, yeah, it didn't like because I don't I, it, it'd be weird, honestly, if they drew out the fact that like Avastral is like, you know, the trans administrator, because <laughs> like I just don't even think it's like expanse is truly post-racial. Right. No one has ever given a fuck about what color anyone's skin is mm-hmm. they're they, they they now hate each other based on the strength of the gravity well that they live in sure okay yeah uh and, and there's also zero evidence of gender or sex discrimination either uh and even yeah. like hyper uh traditionally masculine endeavors like the military the biggest badass of this whole fucking show mm-hmm. uh you know bobby bobby draper so like it would have felt weird if they had made it more of a moment. It's just more of like, look at the future and this is how it's going to look. It is, it is two, 300 years. If we're still spent on this earth, it's, it's going to look, it's going to look like the expanse. It's not going to look like 20th century earth for, for fucking sure. Right. But I also don't feel like I fucked up by mystery because I am still living. My brain's still living in the 21st century and I haven't completely, <laughs> you know, yours is decoupled my ideas of gender on, and man. sex fully. So yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Red goes on second. When you guys discussed, who Holden would contact about the missing ships in the ring? There's a very obvious answer from a season four friend on Illis. LV Okoye seems a very clear choice to me. Maybe this is already covered in episode four, but if not, she'll probably be the one Holden asks. Remember season five premiere when she sent over a visualization of what she saw in the bullet on Illis that really seemed similar to what happened to the crew on the bar Keith. Uh, yeah. What was the what was the the question? The, what was the start of this? The, what, what was uh, she going to answer? What, the the information that Naomi found about the uh, uh, you know oh, the, who's the another red person they can pull in to correlate the disappearance like, of, of the ships? Yeah, who are they? Like Holden said, I think I know how to talk to her or whatever. I, I, I mean, think she's probably the that. only person other than. Has Holden even seen these? I know he has talked about like when he's transited the last few times, he's seen them and they seem angry. Yeah, he fucking saw it in like Fred Johnson's office last season or something. Didn't he? Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, there was some crazy uh, shit. happening. But, but she's like the only other person in the whole fucking human race that has had the yeah. experience of seeing these things. So, yeah, she she definitely. And, and, she's I, a scientist. You know, it, and it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if she's just happening to work on the same, like as independently seen this and as like running it up on, you know, Are, is she on the other side of the portal though? Did she leave? I don't Ellis remember Colony? where we left her. Cause that's the only thing I don't like about the theory is if she's on the wrong side of the portal, then there is no yeah. communication uh, right now going on. For sure. Those two, two things. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, let's go over Happy to New year, by the way. Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, let's go over to Jack, who says, firstly, I agree with you guys that Holden really bungled the war effort here. Uh, I think this is going to be the start of the why he does what he does, uh, why that he makes that decision emails. Any good soldier should have obviously let that torpedo go kablooey. It's extremely selfish that he didn't, and we're supposed to hate this choice. And while I also hate his choice in many ways, I don't think you guys went far enough in trying to see it from his perspective. So I wanted to offer three potential rationales for it. Uh, I cut this down to one because a lot of people wrote in and actually the show itself gave one of the rationales. But I did think, even though we know why he did it now, I did think he poses another possible rationale, which is at least correct in its final sentiment and is interesting to consider. So one of those three rationales was Holden is established as a reluctant leader who wants to maintain his independence and this decision is him finally cashing out those chips. While he does have this utilitarian tendency to want to do the most good for the most people, we have to remember his backstory. He quit his family that birthed him to one day run their farm. He quit the Navy after achieving decent ranks. He resisted being promoted on the Canterbury. Even after achieving system-wide fame for saving Earth with Miller and later opening the Ring Gates, he never officially enlists his support for any side of the ongoing conflicts. He's not a soldier and he's not a mercenary. He's a highly skilled independent with a good moral compass, but those greater good morals are continually crushing him and his crew. They're beating down. uh, They are beat down, irritable, not sleeping and generally ready for this to be over by neutering the torpedo and saving Philip. 
He is for once making a choice for what he sees as the long-term health of himself, Naomi, and the Rossi, not shouldering the fate of the entire system. His therapist would call this great personal growth. What do you think about that? That he, I mean, because he is, right? He is making an intentionally selfish choice here. No, I mean, and it's a, that's, that's the thing. I Like, that's a great rationale for James Holden. Right. I don't know what the other, you know, 20 billion people in the Milky Way yes. or in the, the solar system think about it. And like, I don't know. Are you more of a, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one? Are you a Spock person or are you more of a because like, you're, yeah, your therapist is your ultimate advocate. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, your therapist is not paid to look out for the entire fucking solar system. Like, so I, I think that's right. like a. You know, the president of the United States, like his therapist might say, you know what? You should just take a week off, lose your cell phone, walk off. But the president of fucking United States can't do that. Yeah. It's not their job. And like if you've got your 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 crosshairs on Hitler's temple in 1942, you got to take the shot. Sure. You got to take yeah. the shot. No, I I'd strongly uh, disagree with his decision, but I do think. The rationale here is is right on. Like this is a selfish I'll, choice that he makes. Yeah, but also I tried to re- I tried to make this clear during our coverage, but I'll just reiterate: I don't hate this from like a storytelling standpoint. No, I, I will I is... I will reserve the right to hate it if it feels like this was just a way to yada yada to to, to stretch out the season twice as long or to forestall the plot. But I I don't hate mm-hmm. it. I just hate it like. Like I'm a citizen of the solar system and like, God damn it, you could have. Because I also think this is even a be- better comparison than killing Hitler, because like I mentioned, there was some misgivings in the allied command about like, should we take Hitler out? Because, my God, someone competent might replace him. Um, I think Marco is uniquely holding this whole thing together, like his force of will, his charisma, his hmm. like uh, mystique. The it, the the fact that he's blessed, like you can blow that up by James Holden, one v oneing, one v threeing, and whipping <laughs> right. his ass with yeah. the combined the symbol that like it it all completely backfires on Marco and his free navy and with with the mess they left at series. There's no fucking way. So like this isn't even like you kill you, you kill Hitler and then an actual competent general or ma- or admiral uh you know takes over and Europe is speaking German like this is like I think a clear cut case and again I, I'm not saying that uh, James Holden's a uniquely evil individual or like more like supremely morally bad but yeah it's a that's a really selfish decision I think and yeah. the show like every the crew that loves him also. As, as all took turns telling him, like, except for Clarissa, like, this was a bad call, chief. Don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Now, for for all those reasons, I, I strongly disagree with him doing it. But also, I understand why I he did still it. think I still think I, I would have liked the idea of Na- Captain Naomi for the last two episodes. Yeah, no, that could have been cool. Uh, see, that'd be the perfect way to solve that conundrum. But uh, St- Stephen has more uh, to say about this and in quite a bit along the lines of like, Hey, does killing Marco actually in the war? Um, so let's get to that. He says, I agree with y'all that James moved to disarm the warhead. Maybe the wrong move. I say may because killing Marco lets him die a hero, but we already see him quickly becoming the villain to many belters. If they kill Marco. Now his war may continue with a new radical wannabe. And I know you just laid out a case for disagreeing with that. Uh, but if Marco survives today and is ousted and killed by Belters tomorrow, then what he believes and leads on to leads on to believe is harder to adopt by whoever comes next. Marco is waging a war on the idea that inners are less than human and will always treat Belters like shit. But if Marco proves to be the monster, the one sacrificing Belters on series and the one willing to leave his own wounded ships behind, then the inners look a lot better. All that makes sense to me on paper, but with this protomolecule cruiser coming down the pipeline or whatever it is. I wonder how many lives will be lost because Holden spared him. So that's the other thing. Do you think that by leaving Marco alive to do terrible things to the Belters, to betray their trust and their faith in him, that it will have a potentially even more devastating effect to the ideals that Marco holds? Well, I I guess that to me, this is a, a weird like counterfactual because Marco has already done that to the Belters. If he dies this episode, yeah. he's 
Yeah, it's a series. He, he's like taken the largest collection of belters in the solar system and stripped them for parts and left them destitute. Like that's already like if like if you, this is like almost like an argument for killing him in episode one point five. You know, like that. Like you've got a clear cut kind of mark. But I guess does Holden at this point does he know? He probably doesn't. I, I, he hasn't been to the. Yeah, I don't nah, think he, he knows have. that. Uh, he might know it, but it, I mean, it's it's. I still think you got to take the shot. I think it's a big instance. It's like, yeah, yeah. abandoning series, abandoning the capital of the newly capital of the belt is yeah. is a slap in the face to all the belters. But I think there are a lot of belters who would take a slap in the face and keep uh-huh. rolling. Oh, um, 100%. 100%. So, so if you let him prove to them over and over that he's not actually on their side, he's on his side. Yeah, but that's tough because, man, how many belters died is, doing man. that? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's, that's why it's like, a long road. And it's not a sure thing either, right? Like Marco right. tomorrow could, you know, make a, a great, a brilliant play, right? He is this charismatic leader. He could reinvigorate his fan base um, by doing something yeah. awesome. So yeah. you're running a risk by doing that. Whereas if you take him out, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, take him out and... Then you get to spin the story of series, right? Without any interference from him. He can't proclaim that, oh, the inners are actually the villains here. You get to tell the story. You're the victor. You make the history. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a risky move, for sure. Well, that's the other thing is, like... yeah, then if I'm a belt, if, if I'm a belter listening to this podcast, I'm thinking, yeah, and what happens after Marco is done and the ring gates open back up? Is it all kumbaya or is it back to fuck the belter? Because, yeah, you sure. all you yeah. all don't want to do the outreach now and you because you need us, right? You're mm-hmm. getting your asses kicked and you need us to not support this guy who's wanting to be our safe. That's that's why these things are so yeah. tough to because like if you really think about it from the belter's perspective, why the fuck would they side with Earth? You know, the Earth's had 150 years to, to be good to them. Yeah. Mars, too. But they just grind them under their heel, starve them, like deprive them of oxygen, the whole, the whole, whole. So, yeah, it's, that's why I love about, that's why, that's why I love about the expanse. It's like, it, it, it's just like these really thorny problems. And it's, you know, the, the, the individuals that kind of reach, you know, beyond the, uh, their personal prejudices uh, and, and get to know each other uh, that have these relationships. They're the ones that are capable of, of solving these things, but yeah, like it's kind of happening with Philip, right? And then the, yeah. Common and that's, and that's where it's like, so we, and I think we touched on this, but just in case we didn't like, I think it's entirely possible that like James Holden sparing uh, the Pella is going mm-hmm. to end up being like one of those Gandalf Frodo, uh, Bilbo moments where it's like that's going to win the war in the end because some act of undeserved kindness and mercy is going to ripple butterfly wing chaos theory style. Uh, Phillips already misunderstood what's happening and I think that's going to have a profound it could end the war in a in a weird you know way but like the thing is is like I can't give Holden the credit for knowing that that was going to happen and I have to judge you know like like in football, they do this analysis. Like uh, every time a coach makes a decision, there's a, a prediction engine that says their increase of winning went up or down. <laughs> like the computer program can say, like, well, fuck, you went for it on fourth down on your own one yard line. Your percentage to win just went down to one percent and they could still win the game. But that doesn't mean that was a good decision. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like 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 Things holding fucking. Yeah, Holden went for it on fourth and ninety nine on his one yard line, and if if that to makes Philip knife his dad in the back to save the solar system, that was still you had a one percent chance to win, dude, versus seventy three percent. You know, I don't know. It's it's that's that's how I like to think of decisions. Anyway, sure. Uh, all right, Christina from Ohio, also black cow, black girl couch reviews. It's her podcast. If you want to check this out. Fellow uh, Buckeye, all right. Yeah, in, in Holden's defense, here we go. From the moment he stepped on the scene, Captain Righteous James Holden has continually sacrificed for the greater good of humanity, choosing last season to not go for Naomi when he wanted to. The right move in spite of his personal strife. Most recently, he almost lost her and did lose Alex. The guy has gotten to the point where he is choosing the selfish decision because he simply cannot lose anyone, and especially with his relationship with Naomi that is already in emotional turmoil. I love the good writing and how sacrifice was a constant theme of the episode. Uh, yes, that I'm in agreement there. I think 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Like I said, the it's it makes sense why he would do something incredibly selfish. It makes me mad at but him. But it's still but it's still a selfish it. thing to do. Yeah. And, it's not, and that's the thing. It's like it's not just us. The whole crew's pissed. Uh huh. Except for Clarissa, for you know, because you know she's in a very I can't throw stones about any kind of moral decision position. Um. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Let's let's continue going with Christina's email. Uh. It was mentioned very briefly in the last podcast that Naomi has PTSD, which I believe is referred to now as PTSS. What is that? What? Post-traumatic stress syndrome. Is that a thing? Oh. I feel like it's something said but not fully given credit for much of Naomi's current behavior. The circles below her eyes indicate nightmares and flashbacks. Other symptoms include avoidance, uh, addressing Clarissa as crew, which means processing Alex is fully gone. Uh, Mm. Depression, I don't know how much I can bear it. Here's a few more. Irritability, guilt, and shame. Mood swings. Sound like someone we know? She gave the protomolecule to Fred to her people, and whilst everyone talks about how it turned out now... Uh, let's not forget her actions were directly responsible for the belt beginning to attain some real power. Despite it not being perfect, the idea of an, a united OPA with autonomy was unfolding. Hell, Marco couldn't have Medina Station without the belt fighting for its economic value to use as a chess piece. He leapt on the backs of giants. Uh, she continues, it's amazing to me, and I'm going to be frank here, how minimal attention is paid to the analysis of the black female character. When she says she's not referring to our podcast, uh, especially when that character is contrary to far more beloved other characters, and even more so if the character is Caucasian, i.e. Amos. Uh, I'm not speaking explicitly of this fandom, but almost all of them. Black women have three roles to support, the badass or the villain. If you aren't in column A or B, then you must be column C because intelligent flawed intricate people we are not of course this is not all perspectives and online fandoms are not the majority but the but it continues to perpetuate this treatment that translates to how reality is perceived which is why it's important to me have more frequent discussions deciphering these actions or the actions of these characters past the base emotional response uh i agree i i definitely agree like there there needs to be a lot more nuance in the writing i think as more uh, black people are getting into writing these these shows that we're seeing better versions of black characters, um, black female characters, especially. But it's a watershed event too because it's like this success of like uh, you know, in, in many ways, like uh, black people have led the way in civil rights. Like you already see like uh, people from Asian and uh uh hispanic backgrounds like all over the world like middle east like they they, increasingly it's like jesus christ and and instead of us broadly speaking white people trying to tell your broadly speaking minorities around the world stories why don't you all do it dude and and i would we can and we can actually learn something uh you know so i I think that's that's exactly right and if i were writing these shows um you know before the current era i i would be worried that I would be so worried that my limited perspective would make me get things wrong and I would offend people unintentionally that I probably wouldn't even try, right? It's like, am I going to try and write so far out of my perspective that that I might get it so completely wrong that people are going to get pissed off? And I would offend someone who I didn't mean to offend. It's That would be scary to me if I were right. The thing is, is like, I don't think anyone, anyone ever thought this way until like the last decade or so, because like, I, I remember when we did the podcast for for the color purple and I'm just like watching this, like I'm, 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 this material is great. It's a, it's a great show, but I'm like with my hand over my mouth, like, my God, how did Steven Spielberg (laughs) wake up one day and like, yeah, this is, I, you know what? I want to tell this story. This This is is the the story I need to tell. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like, but the thing is, it's kind of like, um, gosh, we're going to get, we're going to get super racial and, uh, 2020, uh, hindsight kind of thing. There's this kind of thing. Like you have to have people who are like clumsy and bad at doing something to make way for, to almost build like, and maybe that, maybe this is a, a, a me not thinking things out of perspective, but like the idea, like, um, black artists were not accepted by white audiences until like white people in blackface brought some of that culture and entertainment and mockery 
And then that led to the mm-hmm. first like actual black people to engage in the same thing. But but the, the difference is at least like black people are getting paid for their efforts. And it's not just a white person in blackface, which then led to an appetite for more black art and, of course, more co-option and more uh, appropriation. But like it, it, if, if the if the original clumsy, ignorant shit didn't happen first, would like if, if Steven Spielberg hadn't made a color purple would you have gotten like Black Panther and would you have like something like Naomi Nagata? I don't know. I, in, a, in a perfect world, in a better world, yes. Yeah, like you just have a person be, it, right? You're, you're you just have Hollywood. a person being like, look at this story uh, about this this courageous black women growing up in the South. What is our most talented, like like the, the, the uh, movie studio would be like, who's the most talented black director, black female director uh, that we have? Oh shit! We don't have anybody uh, in our list. Let me in go 1980s, like yeah. there is no, you know what I'm exactly. saying? Like there was that 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 there. <laughs> not only was that conversation not happening in the room, the room was not built for the conversation to contain it. So, yeah. and it seems I will say that like um, to everyone's credit, it seems like the more uh, that this obvious absurdity is pointed out, the more like people get on board with it, and like it's getting easier and easier to make these conversations and arguments, but. Yeah. yeah, no, we're making yeah. we're making progress, and I definitely don't think it's perfect still. Um, but we're we're getting there. We're getting. And it's there. cool that the expanse has an audience where you can have conversations like this. And like I'm, you know, we're not going to get like you know a significant fraction of people being like, oh, because like, good lord, it's baked into the show's so. DNA, right? Yeah, progress. If, if you're getting like this vision of the future, <laughs> as regressive as some of the economic shit is, um. Like, it's extremely progressive from, like, a, a racial, sexual, identity kind of freedom kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then last point, didn't Amos reconcile with Naomi or, over her decision, like, a whole ass year later? Six months, she should have more time to erase the memory of their stowaway, having her in a death chokehold. And never forget the ignoring and harsh words she had to swallow in the wake of her choices. Uh, yeah. No, I think, especially if you have read the books... I think yeah. this version of Naomi is so much better than the version that was in the books. It's she, she comes across and maybe there are like small examples where she's not, but she comes across as less stereotypical in the show than she does in the books. Certainly. Yeah. In a lot of different ways, like stereotypically as like, a woman, like, mostly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know that like Dan and Ty quite nailed it on the head there. But I will yeah, say yeah. that like the one thing I got in front of books is like Naomi was the one that was always getting beat down by the crew for the decision she'd made, like holding a little bit in season one. But like the, the difference in the books is like I felt like in there's this kind of thing in the Harry uh, Harry. Speaking of other controversial fandoms, the Harry Potter fandom, where there's this common conception that like one of the problems with the movies is they gave all the triumphant moments to Hermione, they gave all the stupid moments to like Ron. Whereas in the book, like you know Ron, you know Ron had some clear things that he was very good at, and that Hermione's kind of lost in 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 and it was a lot more balanced in the character's standpoint. I think the book did a better job that like almost everyone in the crew had an opportunity to hold the idiot stick. Mm-hmm. And everyone got the like because, you know, the the thing that mi- was missing from the show was how like lost Holden got in the kind of mercenary aspects of what they were doing in some of the, you know, between books two and three and kind of getting scary. And like, yeah, Naomi only yeah. have to bring him back and him being a real detriment to the crew. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, you know, Naomi's the only one who would do something so fucking selfish as hand the proto molecule to someone, you know, like every like in the book, everyone had an opportunity to do something fucked up and stupid. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and everyone got a chance to be ver- ver- and I think everything's kind of smoothed out. But like, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate that, yeah, the, the black lady had to had to hold the idiot stick for a lot of the seasons. Yeah. yeah. And and be in the position of down, you know, like the one down shame in, in shame position with the group. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they did her a little more justice in the Philip arc in the show than in the book. Uh, she was just. Uh, a little hysterical in the book for my taste. Yeah, I could. I re- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's funny because like I, I think you're right. That after I've read the book and watched the series, I think the series did that whole arc better. With the only exception of like, I wish they had done a little bit more to tell us what Naomi was like. I never would have known why she was etching shit into the bulkheads had I not read the book. Gotcha. 
Yeah. You know, and like maybe I should have figured out because I should have been smart enough to be like, oh, this probably that doesn't have a working air supply in the ship. And she's counting how many times she can vent the blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, but but you're right. She was such a in her head. There was so much. uh, And I don't know. Maybe that's a realistic way to look at it. But like there's a lot of like, um, woe is me. Mm -hmm. Um like I'm a, I'm a kind of slipping into being a victim and being enthralled by this guy again. And yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it felt it right felt, up to like basically trying to take her own life again. Like they, there's yeah. The way I win the show is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. A uh, quick bit of trivia from Craig from Hull. Uh Did you know that the two child actors, he says in the teaser, but I, I think he means the the young boy and girl in the opening of all these episodes. Uh, the Cara, ones who are playing Lara and her brother. Yeah, the one who are who are playing brother and sister are actual siblings and also twins. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's neat. That would be cool. I wish I had a memory like that of my stupid sister instead of all the stupid memories I do have of her. Jeez, <laughs> oh, got ripped off in the sibling. <laughs> but they ended up siblings. I, hope I love you, Val, but you'll never listen to this podcast, yeah. so kick, right? kick a rock. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's move on. Casey, quick question or point of discussion, whatever whatever the purpose here. I just rewatched this series from the start while I was sick with COVID. Ooh, yikes. Hope you're better now. And I was watching season four, episode four, Retrograde, and found myself really agreeing with Marco Inaros when he was arguing for his life in the airlock. He makes mm-hmm. some amazing points. I wondered if you guys had a point of view on whether you think the morals and ideals of Marco are just the morals. Hmm. Morals are different from ideals in this scenario, I think. Uh, yeah. And and the thing is, is like. Uh, this is something I guess I used to do this political podcast called Three Right Turns. And one of the points I've made is like it's it's a lot and some people get fooled by this it's very easy to go up to a person who's like a fascist or an authoritarian you know like i don't know he's like a authoritarian like wants wants to take over the u.s government by force and usher in communism an authoritarian it's very easy to go to some of these types and they can accurately tell you the what what the describe the ills of the world you know, like, look at our economy. Look at how much fraction, like, look, look how much, uh, how we're divided and how much we hate each other. Look at uh, the the fact that the, the youth are this or that. Look at that. And like, yeah, okay, those are all problems. And you're accurately describing them. The problem is their prescription is insane. Mm-hmm. Well, what we need to do is we need to separate our racial enclaves and we need to deport the people who are the, you know, the dead weights. Uns- you know, it's like, it's that, it's, that's the shit that's like, it's not like they don't, they see the problems, but their prescriptions are insane. And I think Marco's the same way, like, mm-hmm. and why he's so dangerous is uh, he will tell you those problems, but he's such a hypocritical bastard. Like, Philip is the true blue version of this guy. Like, I, you know, again, I don't know about the death of billions on his hand and all that, but like a person who's going to be like, you know what? The Earth and Mars have been waging a fucking war against us for generations. We're taking it back to them. We're going to kill some of them. We're going to kill it. Fine. Okay. But then you can't abandon your own people to starve and die. Yeah. Like, that's the hypocrisy of, like, saying you can do it better, but then refusing to do it better when you Mm -hmm. have the chance. Yeah, to the point where I'm not even sure that Marco believes in his own cause anymore. Um, Marco might be just doing this because it brings him power and notoriety uh right he he could just be doing this to stroke his own ego uh i i know he started as kind of like a freedom fighter revolutionist uh whatever he was when when naomi and him were uh a couple but like at this point who knows um this guy Mm. i i feel like he gives grandiose speeches and and then like basks in the attention that he gets from those speeches more than he gives mm-hmm. them and feels good about what he's doing for these people. And that's exemplified, like you said, by series. So yeah, I I don't know. I, I agree. I, I actually am with you here. I feel for the belters. That's, that's where I come down. I come down on mm-hmm. the belter side and Marco to me is not on the belter side anymore. He's on Marco's side. 
Yeah, and I've always like I thought for the last several years, if anyone ever asked me like my what my opinion is on like, I don't know, peace in the Middle East, I'd be like, you know, watch the expanse. Because this entire six season run is my opinion on the Middle East, for example, hmm. uh, or colonialism in general. You yeah. know, like I have a hard time backing any one side because, yeah. yeah, I'm from Earth and I like Earth and you know, Earth is kind of. Gr- but like, Jesus, we've really fucked over the belt and kind of fucked over Mars low key. And uh, and and so, like, I don't think you can trust any kind of side or faction. You have to trust individuals. Like, ask me my opinion of like an individual belter. Mm-hmm. And I can be like, yeah, like, you know, oh, you love belters. What do you think about Marco? No, Mark was a fucking out. Naomi Nagata like her. You know, it's like that. It's like like it's you. You. Yeah. Like I, I, it's 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 hard in these complex situations that's been going on for generations. And, 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 the and like there's this the much inertia, the momentum. There's so much this. that. And so, so that you, you have to, like, look at individuals who are the ones trying to help, who are the ones who are trying to be glory hound, who are the ones that can profit more from the continuing of the status quo or not. And also the other, mm-hmm. I guess, guiding principle uh, that I believe in is at some point when you've got a multi-generational strife going on, the strongest party has to take a punch if they sure. if they yeah. want the things to stop. The strongest party has to take a blow or two to to break the cycle and to give the time to, to to humanize themselves if nothing else and i think that's like it's almost always pretty easy to tell who is the stronger party in any given conflict at least nowadays it wasn't maybe true back when we're having world wars and shit and god help us if we ever get to there again but like in in the low intensity conflicts we've had in the 20th century and the 21st century it's always been clear to me who is the bigger party who needs to take the blow the trouble um, is the strongest party usually has their way as the status quo. And why exactly. would they want to take the blow? Why to would they do the that? status quo that is benefiting them? Yeah. And brother, when 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 enough of us figure out the, the <laughs> right answer to that question, it will be it will live in utopia. Yeah. But like, yeah, we'll 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 have, we'll have made some strides. But yeah, I, I do believe that because it's it's going to be an unjust one. It's going to be a brutal one. It's going to be all the things and you just have to take it and then be like, OK, can we kill, still keep talking? Um, and that's why Mark is a hero, know. right? I he, could be found, naive. he found the the immediate solution to the problem that has has been dragging down belters for generations the immediate solution is a horrible one uh, it's an immoral one for sure and that's why i say like i agree with marco's ideals if in fact he does care about the belters but i do not agree with his morals oh no and that's why but but like this is just like i grew up watching star trek and like what i love about this show is like there's never been an episode where you know uh holding grandstands over the belters about like if only the way like Picard would sometimes, you know, where they just like moralize like there's two sides. If you just would behave like we do. (laughs) Right. Right. There's this paternalism that like, I think there's definitely characters that show that, you know, you you definitely see those people who are cat, but like, and you've even had an example in Avasarala who's like done a kind of one eighty. And like yeah. really internalize, like keeping Earth safe is kind of like the same thing as keeping us all safe. Because as yeah, long as someone is feeling principle. like deprived or desperate, they're going to do crazy shit. Because mm-hmm. that's what human beings do when they're pushed to the limit. They're not going to let their children die. They're yeah. not going to let their their wives and husbands die. They're going to try to like get theirs, and if they can't do that, fucking take a few of them with it. I mean, like that's just. I and good for humans because otherwise we just have a, a permanent class of people always taking shit and one class of people they're yeah. always shitting. Yeah. So true. like that's like it's, it's we need that to keep things fair and balanced. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Ami. Uh the admiral in last season was Savatere. Savatere? Uh, looks Italianish to me. Oh, this is me. This uh, is my Admiral Coarte. <laughs> Admiral Coarte does not exist. I hate to tell you. Uh, the Admiral no, no, he died this... in the ring gate. He died in the ring gate last season. Sure. I, was, I looked it up. Duarte is no, a new no, guy. No, Coarte, no, no. he Don't got fucked. Confuse the audience. That was Savater. <laughs> this guy is Duarte, and and it's confusing. I think because they switched it from the books. Maybe I. I can't remember. No, for sure. I think I just I think I I think I know who switched it and it was my my brain. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of of hidden biases and not knowing which way's up. Uh 
Yeah, he, he just says he can understand why that might be confusing, especially if you've read the books. Um, and he says it's very confusing that this is the last season and as to why they'd introduce Duarte in the the third episode from the end of the story. Um, That's the question we're all asking. He's important. Where is where is the uh, the strange dog stuff going? Yeah, he, he says the book. This book is a good stopping point, but it definitely feels like they're front loading the next part of the story already because there's still too much for a single movie. Uh, he's guessing that the rest of the books will be a trilogy if they do, if they do get to them. Um, I still so okay. I'm going to say, I just watched Dune. It was like three and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. There's no one that can tell me that an extra twenty minutes of movie would make or break an Expanse project. They this is this is just a trailer. Oh, yeah, no. This is and this is this them auditioning for their next studio project. Um, so and that kind of sucks. Like. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't know what the utility of it is. Um, I guess we'll have to see the whole season and and uh, see whether it's all worth it or not. Yeah, because I don't like I said, like I'm not mad. Like some people are mad. I'm not mad because I don't I don't think it's shortchanging any parts of the story. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if I you agree. believe that, I imagine every fucking second of this shit pisses you off. Oh sure. All right, then let's go over to Michael, who says, "Gentlemen." I'm enjoying your podcast on the final season of The Expanse. Oops, forgot That's to cut allowed. that. Uh, I noticed that two of you... Oh, I left that in here because then he goes a, a little hard on us. I noticed the two okay. of you seem to be love-struck with the series and overlook flaws in the show. Sometimes a more critical eye creates a better conversation, especially when friends disagree. For example, and I think he's about to disagree with us. Oh, I think, boy. I think Keon Alexander, who plays uh, Marco is chewing up so much scenery that he must have studied at the Shatner Academy of Performing Arts. Having only the material in the show to inform me, I wonder if mustache-twirling Marco is a victim of bad writing or too much coffee. Think how much more interesting the story would be if David Strathern's character had filled that role. He was flawed, yet sympathetic and relatable. Drummer and Naomi respected him. Have him eat one too many bowls of bad kibble and perhaps lose another friend or two to inner oppression and he would reluctantly become a bitter free Navy terrorist. As I said, Oh, that would be such a U-turn of his character and his character arc. Oh man. I, I disagree with that buddy. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I think he prefaced that he was probably going to disagree with us. Uh, as I said, my son and I enjoy watching the show very much. Uh, my son developed a fan theory that no one has mentioned so far, which oh, I like this one. Uh, combining the themes of Laconia and the free Navy, consider the following reveal. Marco Linaros is actually the body of Prince, exhumed from his Minnesota resting place and revived through the pet cemetery. Watch him strut and prance around in the next episode and try to unsee it. I predict Marco will break out a hellish belter guitar and start wailing in a spooky minor key to confirm this. You read it here first. Yeah, no, I get a lot of Prince energy from him for sure. He's got, he's got a, <laughs> no, he's- a look. That's what I'm saying. He intimidates me sexually. Yeah. Um, but uh, he intimidates so like, himself sexually when he looks in the mirror. I think he's, I think he's a good villain, and he's a type of villain we haven't really seen before. Like the book had, uh, believe it or not, um, Ashford was kind of a clown in the book. The way, you know, kind of kind of a crazy person. Um, and I, I kind of liked it because like when I look at the, tw- you know, um, if you don't if you don't see any examples of crazy people with outsized <laughs> mannerisms attracting huge flocks of, of, of devoted followers today, then look at Hitler. Like I, I keep name checking this asshole because I think it's still safe as a universal villain. Have you ever seen video of him giving speeches and shit? Mm-hmm. Like what a fucking drama queen. Yeah. Like he's just like using all and like, you know, you, you read the stories that him used to practicing in the mirror to like just get his like his and his all speech and he's just very bombastic. And uh, same thing about like uh, Mussolini, like these guys are not mm. understated yeah. because that's not the kind of crowd that they attract and want to attract and need to attract. So like I actually think Marco is a really good example of a person who could carry a lot of people away, especially a lot of people who have been perhaps maybe overlooked by segments of society. People that thought that, you know, rightly or wrongly, they've been under the thumb for too long. You know, like, yeah, I uh, and I I think he's a great villain because of that. Um, 
Yeah, so I don't know. He's I think just he's a great. different flavor of villain, right? Like, it seems like you want all of your villains to be complex and to have nuanced feelings on everything. Um, this guy is, and, and that. you can't also you can't appreciate he doesn't come in a vacuum. He comes prepackaged with Philip and Naomi, mm-hmm. and he's almost like yes, he's a character, but he's also like a catalyst for a transformation that's clearly happening in Philip. Now I don't know whether that, you know, how far that goes or blah. Cause again, even though my son has been bitching and moaning all Christmas break, I've yet to see season episode five. Cause I don't want to actually spoil anything for people. He's like, right. Jesus dad, what good is doing this podcast crap? If I can't, I'm like, relax, you're going to, you're going to see it. But <laughs> I don't know where this is going, but like, I, I think that, that that's, that's what's, what's happening. And, you know, if if Marco is the Ashford, he's not going to have that relationship with Philip. Right. And yeah, you'd yeah. also ask about, like, why the fuck did Naomi leave this guy? He seems like really sane and rational and like measured in his approach. And like the whole story is different. Right. Uh-huh. Like no, totally. kind of Marco has to be the shape Marco is in. And then like the other feedbacker said in season four, you can see how effective he is at rhetoric and kind of telling, telling, telling lies with a whole bunch of truth. So, yeah, I do wonder what comes first in their writing process. Do they come up with this character that they, that they love or do they come up with a plot and then need a character to suit it? Because one of the strongest things about the writing in the show is how the characters and their actions and the resulting plot all factor in together. Um, and you're right. If without a character like Marco, you wouldn't have this going down the way it does. Like, you know, Strathern's character, Ashford, would probably not do something as rash as throwing rocks at Earth, right? There would be an entirely different method to approach this situation from. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the grandiose is is Marco to a T, and, and his actions reflect that. Why is Anderson Dawes and Ashford Kloss, Clace, why are they different from Marco? Well, first of all, they're like 30 years older and uh-huh. they both lost real losses. And I, I don't, uh, mm-hmm. and then like their sister, uh, their son and feel personally responsible for that loss and also see how it's connected to all of the bullshit and like the root and have had thoughts about yeah. like met and they had, you know, and have, have, have killed and drunk and fucked and, and all that shit. And they've just left with their own devices and thought about. And that's why they are the statesmen such as they are for the belt. Right. Like Marco is none of those things. And none of that stuff has happened to him. So mm-hmm. he kind of has to be the way he is. I, I don't know. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah. All right. Sean says, I'm unhappy with the lack of a replacement for Alex. Uh, Alex was a trained Martian pilot who lived to fly the Rossi. In the running battle with the Pella, the flip and rail shot maneuver was a complicated flying maneuver. Alex could do that. It made him a valuable part of the crew. Everyone else has indicated their flying chops are mediocre. So if anybody can do that, why was Alex an important member of the crew? I'm starting to wish they had simply recast. I think I know why he was important. Lasagna. Yeah, the cowboy lasagna, man. Yeah. Um and we're seeing yeah, it. we're seeing the effects of the loss of Alex and the the mess. Have you seen Dan and Ty's reaction to people like what the fuck happened to Bull? Because it huh. it seems pretty pretty shitty showrunnery to me. Because they're like, I don't know how you got the impression that Bull was going to step into Alex when we had the shot of Alex Kumal's uh, personalized coffee mug in sharp focus. Uh, that then snap focus to Bull, who is in the same frame, thoughtfully looking at it as he's sitting in the pilot seat of the Rossinanti. Like mm-hmm. the, the their whole <laughs> attitude about that, like, has been off putting to me. Like, don't act hmm. like you can be like, hey, man, we we you guys took that too far or like. But like the idea that like we're kind of dumb for getting the hint that that might be the way to go. Now, I, I get it. Like. But I, I honestly don't know why they didn't. I don't like they could have like soft recast as like just got another Alex and we mm-hmm. just roll like with another Alex. Now, that guy would have big fucking shoes to fill. Yeah, because Cass Anvar, other than being a, a predator of young women, was a very good actor and he was very charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, we'd have a blot. You know, we'd have a very high risk of a blah June situation for sure. Uh, But I yeah, like I. Hmm. 
it, it was yeah I, I thought that it was when I was watching that as awesome as it was I was thinking this is a very very wild crazy out of the envelope thing for the Rasanati to do and it seems crazy that Holden can pull it off but yeah you know, I yeah. can't be mad at the show for Cass Anvar putting them in a really shitty position and putting us all sure. in that position but I also agree that they should have put brought bull or recast him. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I could have got behind that certainly uh, after last season, but didn't want to do it. So it's their show. And I like that bull guy. Like he, he wasn't as cool as Alex and he wasn't, he wasn't part mm-hmm. of the family, but like it'd have been interesting to rehabilitate like the fact that he's goes from a duster, skinny slur spouting, you know, Marine who thinks he's too like, you know, in, in part of the crew and maybe Clarissa could have been a part of that. Like, yeah, I there's a lot of things going for that, and it's too bad. I don't know whether the guy, you know, uh, like if it truly wasn't ever to plan to replace him, uh, maybe. But if if it's a contract, I, I don't know. But but I agree. I I miss Alex, and I think the show has done a good job at executing the plan that they're executing. But boy, it's hard not to argue things would have been better if they had been different. <laughs> for sure. All right, finally, we've got Irish Monk, who's here to say, I think Stephen Strait's metamorphosis into Billy Bob Thornton was finally completed in episode three. (laughs) Holden's talk with Naomi, it's 17 minutes in. Wow, it's all there. The low gravel tone, the slow delivery, the half-closed eyes, the beard. It was like Space Fargo with Lauren Malvo in command. (laughs) I wasn't seeing it, but... All right, is this man, an insult? Because sure. Billy Bob Thornton is a fine actor, it's and I gotta say, I think actor. one thing I was one thing I was looking at as I was rewatching the series, did a full series rewatch, is like, is Stephen Strait gotten a lot better? Because I think he has. I, I think I think, um, or is it the Holden as a character has gotten better? Mm-hmm. And I think the actual answer is both. Both of those yeah. things are true. I think like much like Kit Harrington before him, he came in with some uh, charisma and some some raw appeal and he's actually worked at his craft. Like I there's a couple things he'd done like that. God damn it. He did like as he was trying to turn down uh, the ah, shit, the reporter lady, uh, Monica, uh, Monica, Monica's bait on the proto molecule mystery, like him trying to like, you know what? I'm not going to get into this and realizing he can't. That's. A pretty interesting nuanced thing to do. And some of the things he's done with like the loss and the pain, I, I think he's mm-hmm. he's he's really, really improved his game. So I've n I haven't felt like he's been like cr- like cringe for several seasons now. But I I I, yeah. I feel like other people I don't know, like only see the Billy Bob of it or what? <laughs> no, man. I Like I said, I went back and I watched last episode and man, that scene where he explains to Naomi why he did what he did. And she explains why that was a shitty thing to do that he's acting across from Dominic Tipper, who is excellent in this show. Like yeah. She she's untouchable is yeah. maybe the best actor in this show. Uh, and he's like standing right across Probably from her. Probably true. No shit. Throwing punches with her. I like, that is not the guy that I would have expected to see when I was watching episode two of this show five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. And I think that you um, probably benefits from, you know, swapping lines with the likes of, uh, did he ever have a, see- a, a scene with Anderson Dawes? He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, where they're having what like the it? faction meeting and they're trying to decide whether Fred or, uh, he was going to represent them at the table of the UN. Um, I, it can't help but like having having actors like Chad Coleman and yeah. Jared Harris and Dominic Tipper and Carrie like having these like really like it has to uh have a pretty positive effect on on everybody because mm-hmm. I think the I think the level the the acting level on expanses is pretty high. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Especially in the main cast. Mm-hmm. You have some noticeable drops in quality when you start getting to the background characters and extras and things like that. But like uh, the main cast, I think, is solid and it's gotten. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, like, I think also like Holden is just an annoying, self-righteous character for a lot <laughs> of the series. On. And that's just, you know, uh, with a little bit of a punchable face, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
And and uh, that's I'm not immune to seeing that. I remember the first time I watched the Expanse, like just being really like, fuck, Holden, Jesus Christ. This, you know, people think that I might be naive with some of the shit that I say. But oh, my God, um, <laughs> I, it's been a really interesting evolution. And I've really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, me too. And I hope you enjoy watching the next two episodes because that's going to be it. Uh, we will be back after episode five for a feedback episode. Um, we're not going to bundle the next two together. So we've got two more feedback episodes, one for each episode of the show that's left. But that's going to be it, man. I'm, I'm nope. starting to feel also, it. I'm really feeling it. The, speaking of uh, taking our time to celebrate the show, we are going to start live watching the episodes when they drop. So this this Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, at least the plan is, I think they've been pretty consistent in hitting that. We're going to start our show on twitch.tv slash bald move. And as soon as the episode is available at seven, we are going to watch it live with whoever wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription and like you're either doing that or pirating the, ser- the series, uh, you automatically can watch this with us for free. You just got to go to twitch.tv. Uh, get a free account. Uh, it takes about 30 seconds to link that. And there's there's uh, some some helpful guides on the about us section of our Twitch page um, to help you do that. And uh, it's cool. Like you will sit down and you will watch the thing and we'll be in the corner uh, making commentary and jokes and 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 uh, discussing the episode, having a good time. But yeah, uh, also expanse at baldmove.com if you want to send in traditional feedback. Mm-hmm. Um it's a great way to live chat with us too. You know, like uh, you give give your takes live at ex- at uh, twitch.tv slash bald move. I'm interested to see how many people take us up on the offer because, like, the thing is, I'm not sure about is like how many people are like you know what. As much fun as I li- I have with you guys, I want to see the last episode or two by myself. I want to yeah. see it because that's kind of how I am. Like throwing a big watch party for the finale episode of my favorite television show, I'd be like. I actually hosted one for Breaking yeah, Bad at one point, <laughs> and it was it was not exactly like I felt like I was more entertaining people than than actually enjoying the thing. But you know, it's 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 possible to do. But like, if I wasn't getting paid for it, so I, I'm I'm curious. But I know that like I'm a I'm a bit of a, a weirdo. So well, we ended up paying maybe, for that watch party. By the way, yeah. true, true. So you were like, paid uh, for it. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm wondering uh, how many people will will show up and take us up uh, on the offer. So yeah, the penultimate we'll episode, ultimate, will be there on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, to watch it with y'all. And mm-hmm. we've seen it before by that time, so we'll we'll have a little. We won't spoil it, but uh, we 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 will have uh, we'll be able to guide you with uh, things to notice and and points of uh, interest along the way. Yeah, for sure. Because everyone loves that friend sitting on next to the couch being like, oh, it is going to be awesome. No, we won't do that. We won't do shit like that. No, of course not. Well, shit like, hey, do you see this thing happen? Guess what? If you looked at Naomi's left shoulder patch, she had a Latin insignia that says life is beautiful. And that's the kind of real time and out. No, I don't know. Something. I, who knows? Who knows? It's an experiment for everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, that's it for the show. Uh, we'll see everybody back here for episode five on Friday, or sorry, Thursday night. Uh, until then, I'm your host, Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. See ya. <laughs>